0: You're listening to the Mobcast Network.
1: Roll sound. Sound speeds. Marker.
0: Action. Welcome to Between the Line, the filmmaking podcast that navigates the line between in front and behind the camera, acting and directing, success and we're hosts.
1: Horst Reuben. I'm Drew Hall. How's it going, buddy? Yeah, pretty good. How are you doing today? I'm doing very good. Doing very good. Just uh, excited to. Uh, to have my dear friend Sam on the uh, on the show,
0: yeah, I, I love Sam. We uh, we met him, uh, I met him on a uh, um, pilot that we were shooting, and just such such a good energy to him.
1: Absolutely, he's uh, I've known Sam for a little while, and and, and we'll talk about it when we do his interview with him. I'm sure <laughs> knowing him, but we we've had an interesting kind of uh, growth together. I mean, Sam has done a ton of stuff and done his own thing, but we've both kind of ping pong ideas off of each other pretty regularly and and talk about how we can benefit one another. He's one of the guys uh, that I would refer to as family for me because sometimes if I'm in an emotional state, I can reach out to Sam and talk to him because he's been through, you know, a lot of stuff and and we'll let him talk about all those, but he's a fascinating guy.
0: Yeah, and Sam... You know, I can see him being stereotyped with the way he looks. You know, he he looks like he might, uh, you know, fit in this class of a of a thug or a drug dealer because he's a, he's a big dude, and um, you know he's got tattoos and he has a, a certain look to him. But um, he really, really impressed me with his comedic chops. I mean, he was really funny, and he was you know playing around with the role, uh, just you know somebody that uh, has, I don't know, it's it's fun to see somebody who you'd think is going to be this kind of guy, this kind of role, this kind of actor, and uh, surprise you with his talent.
1: Oh, no, he's great. So before we get to the interview, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Just yeah. wanted to go over a couple of bits. First, we want to kind of uh, thank one of our sponsors. We've been fortunate to have some people reach out to us. So with that one, it is a kind of a local one, but they happen to supply us with coffee. And uh, that's a coffee shop called Fosco. So if you're ever in Pensacola, uh, Florida, you can go over and get uh, a delicious cup of coffee from Fosco. Uh, they also have alcohol. <laughs> he has these mm. slurps. They also have alcoholic coffee beverages for those of you who want to be drunk and uh, hyper at the same time. No, they don't promote that, but they they do have good beverages over there. They're t- are you doing another Slurpee sound?
0: That's uh,
1: that's not. I don't know if that's fine. Coffee. I don't that know. is. They need the gulpy sort of bit to it. So anyway, we want to thank our sponsor Fosco, who's kind of helping us uh, put things together and and, and go forward. Um, you know, because that's how podcasts work. The other thing we wanted to do is make sure that if you're not listening on iTunes, that's perfectly fine. You can check us out on SoundCloud. Uh, obviously, you can you can find the podcast link through our website, which is frame29films.com slash uh, between the line. Or if you just go to frame29films.com, you'll find the link for it. Uh, and the, the most current episode is always updated there. Or be- between the line podcast at
0: gmail.com. Yeah, we would, we love email, so why not send one our way or multiples if you have or questions for us? And look, talking about the the coffee, I do. am you know I made the the joking noise of uh, slurping coffee, but it, it actually is really good coffee. So if you are in Pensacola or Mobile, it's definitely worth going to check and checking. out. And I,
1: I don't know if they ship or not. So that's one of the things I'll get clarified as we go forward on this whole uh, fiasco. But <laughs> they they do have some of the. the They spend a lot of time making coffee perfect. And so there was a lot of uh, I was privy to a lot of the fun research, which was drinking lots and lots of different cups of coffee and brewing a different way. So there is attention to detail, which I appreciate as a filmmaker. I think that's important. So even their coffee has that level of detail. So
0: and let's be honest, if you're in this industry, you you probably know and love coffee. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no way around it. Yeah. Uh, They also have the best uh, toddy that I've had in a long,
1: long time. Really? Oh, my God. And that's like super caffeine, right? I mean, it's brewed for 24 hours. And then, you know, they'll they'll advise you to cut it with milk. But I advise you not to cut it with milk (laughs) and prepare yourself for the greatest uh, liquid eight ball you've ever experienced.
0: That's one of the things where like your, your atoms start vibrating and you can start walking through walls. Oh, absolutely. You get superpowers. Now, I wanted to ask you. You're wearing kind of a, um, you know, Mr. Rogers uh, sweater today. I I, I like the look. Well, you know, I realized
1: once I passed 35... <laughs> Mr. Rogers <laughs> sweaters were part of the appropriate attire. It has nice little pockets on the side, oh, but they're flat style. They're like teacher, like like you're a teacher's pocket. So I put my my little doodads in there, and I just walk yeah. around, and, and it hangs really off my waist wrong, and it looks terrible. If but I, if I bought you one of those pipes, you know, one of those really, would, would you would you smoke a pipe wearing absolutely. this? Absolutely, absolutely. I'm 100 behind it. Can't yeah. smoke inside with a pipe, but I'll do it anyway. Christmas next year. Christmas next year, I'll get a pipe. We'll take a little picture. Well, maybe I'm the dapper one. All right. So uh, one of the things today we mentioned earlier is we have an interview with one of our very dear friends, one of my very dear friends. Uh, he's a comrade as a, as a filmmaker, as a director, as a producer uh, The dude has the most insane acting credit list in the world yeah, What is uh, it,
0: like 60 films or something I like think, that?
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll get him to clarify oh, But it's yeah. like 60 features, 20 television shows And then he's got all of his producing and directing credits on top So Sam's a beast um, But also the most huggable, lovely, positive human being you'll ever meet So it kind of stays in line so with he, what, he's a cuddly beast He's a cuddly beast okay, good. So anyway, without further ado, we, uh, we'll kick it over So Sam, welcome to the show, brother Hello, hey, Sam. Hey,
2: what's going on, guys?
1: Well, look, man, we're we're tickled that you uh you joined us for the podcast. It means it means the world to us because you know we're we're like you, we're we're working men trying to make it work in in this this crazy business of ours.
2: Yeah, no, no, it's 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 an honor, man, to you know, what I mean, to chat with you guys because I also look up to you both and you know, learning a lot of things from you guys when you guys are behind the camera and you know I'm in front of the camera. So yeah, it's it goes both ways, brothers.
1: Well, that's kind of the great part, right? Is It's a team sport. And that's that's one of the things I love about working with you uh, is kind of the energy. And I, I, I'll i just go back and say, and you can jump in and correct me and, and make the story sound better if it needs to be. But uh, kind of going back to where we started, we both kind of started on a picture together. Um, uh, we started on Sons of Liberty, which was kind of a fluke role. And I'll let you maybe tell about that in a second. And then we we stayed friends. We stayed comrades and then we jumped over and got on to um uh, convergence together which you know was another fun role for the two of us Uh, (laughs) and it it presented us with some challenges for sure um you know and 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 we kind of were able to, to to touch on that but in the meantime or around that that's two credits out of what what are you up to like 60 plus titles right now as an actor
2: yes uh 63 uh, so I'm still trying to add it. And whenever you add you and Horse add Gulf Shores, it'd be the my sixty-fourth one. So get on get it on IMDB soon.
1: <laughs> I'm just waiting on the producers to sign off on that one for us, brother.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's great, man. You know, Horse, I know you don't know, and most people don't know how Drew and I connected, but I didn't get a chance to audition for, for Drew. I got a call from a Lisa Marie Dupree. And she said, Hey, I want you to really, really meet this independent filmmaker. He's great. You know, he's in he's in Mobile, Alabama. And so just go over there and you know what I'm saying everything's already set up. So Drew and I officially met like on set. And you know, it was just one of those things where I come in, do my usual stuff, and you know, get shot. But <laughs> I happened to work with um Tama Hassan on a picture uh, a few years back, and then when drew saw me and Tama having the relationship that we have you know in in his mind he just automatically just went in and and, and redid that little part where now he made Tama my uncle and i'm just a messed up you know nephew who's Tama has to take care of because of my mom you know is indebted to him so next thing you know like the scene became a whole different other scene. And really, I wouldn't have that scene on my reel right now if it wasn't for Drew, you know, seeing the things as an indie filmmaker and make the adjustment right then and there. Because I believe if we were on a big set, then we don't have that courtesy to be able to play with with things like that. So that's one reason why like when Drew Horse, they call me, look, there's never any money involved really needed from my end. If they call me, I'm there. That's just, just end of, end of question. End of anything is period when they call me and I'm there, you know, and that's how, that's how me and, 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 and Drew got started, you know, uh, in a real crazy way, but it was great.
0: Oh, I love that. And one of the things that really, um, I find interesting about your story is the relationships. I and mean, that's one of the things we talk about a lot, um, is how, you know, you, you start relationships, you build relationships, and this being such a small community how that actually helps you to uh you know like you said it was your relationship with Tamara that um let Drew and you the three of you decide hey let's let's adjust this so i mean have you run into that before where previous relationships help you get your next gig or help you maybe find a little bit you know deeper insight into a character
2: um most definitely i mean horse i've never met you and worked with you and i believe that one one of the reasons that you signed off on me for Gulf Shores, the pilot Golf Shores is because I've worked with Drew and you know he signed off on my on on, on my name on my behalf, and he showed you my real and my other things that I've done. And I think so, you know, most definitely the relationship definitely can can improve your situation. Now, on the other hand, I believe that I stay training. All year round. That way, when when a dear friend of mine like Drew or anyone else can co-sign on any actors, you still have to have the chops to show up and do the actual work on the day. And I think that's really important because the connection is one end of it. But the performance and the understanding of the role that you're gonna play on the day that your dear friend signed off on for you. Is just equally as important because if I don't show up, of course, you would be like, well, Drew, like, uh, you sign off on this dude and he came in and he didn't do what he was supposed to do. And then that relationship become a very bad thing for me because now it's a bad mark on my name. It'll probably take me three to five years to re-earn that credit back into the positive side, you know? Yeah. And
0: I was gonna ask, I mean, for people who you know don't know you, Drew said you're you're a beast, but I mean, you are very physically fit because you were just talking about the training, talking about keeping up your chops. and that that's something you know I was interested in. How much time do you spend um, you know maintaining physique, training for stunts or martial arts, and also training for your your acting chops. I mean, how how do you find that that balance between all of those different
2: things? What I do is I wake up at 5 a.m. every morning and my physical training starts at 6 to 8. And then my my acting training comes in midday and then I fight and I do stunt training on, on the afternoon. And, of course, eat and sleep in in, in between times. Now, it, it wasn't always that way where it was a full-time thing for me. You know, the first six years, I had to juggle around it. I do have a very strong uh, martial art background and very physically fit all the time. But most of the time, people who have muscles and make tattoos, they don't always train their acting chops a lot. So they kind of play the one note thing, what they know. And so that's where it can go against them. But for me, I've been blessed to have like the best teachers in the market because I wanted to be the best. I didn't want to just be like a muscle head, come in and, you know, just do the the, the one note thing. So I, I seeked out, I, I search all the best teachers that I could learn from. And I think that the training and the preparation is really key. It doesn't matter what you want to do in life, what you want to accomplish in life. You have to prepare. You can't get ready. You always have to be ready. And that's how my mentality is, really. I'm in bed by 9.30 p.m. And I'm up at 5 a.m. getting all my stuff ready for, for preparation for, for my day, you know? So that's, yeah, that's how one, my, my life is.
1: Well, that's one of the things, Sam, that I love about you as uh, both. Uh, a director because I know that you're going to be prepared and ready on set. But as a friend, I also know that <laughs> when I wake up at 4.30 or 5 in the morning, you and I have had uh, like I was at the gym, you're at the gym and we've you know been on Facebook like chatting ideas or talking about something or dealing with whatever. And that's a great thing as a friend. So it kind of goes into with the physical side of doing all this stuff. One of the topics we had talked about a couple episodes back was kind of dealing with the emotion of filmmaking, because this is a very emotional business, right? I mean, it is, we we, pardon the expression, but we said, frankly, this business is hard as shit. It is a hard business. (laughs) Does the training, does the training help you? I mean, do you find that to be not just to keep you in shape, but does it also benefit you on a mental level that maybe you could enlighten us about?
2: Yes, because what it does is the first thing that you wake up in the morning, when you train physically, you get your mind, body and soul and you go. And every morning I have this on my Facebook post and my my social media. Every morning I wake up and I go find myself because it's very easy for us to lose ourselves in this type of business because there are so many odds against us. So when I wake up early in the morning, I get my training out of my way. I get my day ready. What it does is it teaches me the discipline on whether or not whatever goes on throughout the whole day or at the moment when I'm at the gym, I need to have the discipline to endure whatever that is that might come, whether it's injuries, whether it's just hard, whether for some reason today it feels heavier than yesterday or whatever that might be. The discipline to me is key to to stay in the business that we stay in because, like you said, it is hard as shit. But we love what we do, so we continue to do it even though it gets – It can get as hard as can be, but the discipline keeps us in the game. And I think that 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 right there for me is key. And honestly, I have a little slight advantage over you, man, because I don't have any kids. So it's kind of like, you know, like I do this and and, and I want to set it straight before I have some kids to where I may not be able to put in the time that I put now, you know. Look, so.
1: man, I will tell you, you're totally right. It is, it changed. Now, here's the funny thing. Like, so now Finley gets up at like six o'clock or so, which then is the ultimate alarm clock. No matter how tired I am, I'm up because I have a, I have a deal with my wife. If she has to get up, I have to get up. That's how I keep the peace in the house. And I go about and do my thing and then turn around and, and, you know, at sometimes at night, I'd like to work out twice a day, but I, I don't get that luxury. The nighttime one's the brutal one. Cause Finley doesn't go to bed till eight. And by the time nine o'clock hits, I'm like you, man, I'm in bed at nine 30, 10 o'clock. That's it. I'm out unless wrestling's on and I'll stay up till till, till 10, but otherwise I go straight to sleep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, get, I get you, man. It's hard, but I think that if we just be able to find it, you know, for me, I'm kind of a fanatic. So I train seven days a week, but if I think if you just get in a good three, three days or four days a week, I think you, you can definitely, you know what I'm saying? Keep the consistency going. And I think it's great for our health and, and our heart and our mind to keep going in, in what we do. It just so happened that I'm always in front of the cameras too as well. So it gives me an extra push to always get my butt up, man. I'm like you and anybody else, like horse, you know, like I'm not any better than you guys. I wake up and be like, oh my God, whew. Do I stay in bed? No, I get my butt up and I kind of kick myself in the butt and, and, and you know what I'm saying? Just get up and, and go do things. You know, I, I think it's just a choice that 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 you make. So I kinda have a good excuse that because I, I have to be in front of the camera. I always like to be able to stay ready, you know, in case, you know, uh, you're you called upon to go do your job, you know, at the end of the day. Because I, I, I do get very, very physically involved at times and most of the time the opponents that I go against, they're about eighty to hundred pounds heavier than me. So, oh, <laughs> you know, I, I gotta take the punishment first, you know yeah hey and one of
0: the things I really like uh, about you and from the moment I met you is your positivity uh, you know we were talking you know some of the things that we deal with are rejections and I know as an actor you go out for parts and you know you see the same maybe you know more famous people potentially getting them over and over again but you said something and you said well one day that's going to be me and that seems to be your attitude in in so much of this industry and in life is this, you know, perpetual positivity, and I really, really, you know, love that. Is is that something you've got to to train at, or does that just come naturally to you? I mean, how do you how do you maintain such a good outlook?
2: I I, I believe it comes through training and keeping your mind positive, and you have to kind of understand the game, as in. And I thank you, man. I appreciate that that you, that you noticed that you know about me. Uh, I think that what it is is I go way back and I do a lot of research even on the people that I compete against. And they might've been in the game, you know, five, 10 years before me. So that means they already put in the, they already put in their dues. They paid their dues. They've done what they are supposed to do to compete. So the only thing I can do, which is cut my time down in half. So I'm able to do what I've done in the eight year span versus maybe somebody else. It takes them 20 years. So at the end of the day, if I look back at it, I'm way ahead of the game, so I can't really be upset or mad when I don't get the part. I have no rights to that. I mean, if you look at, you, look at, uh, uh, you know, the guy that played um, Michael Schofield, like, you know, uh, Windworth Miller, he had 300 failed auditions. You know, the guy who played the Hulk—he had 600 fair auditions before he booked the part. So, for me, if, you, if, 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 as an actor, if you understand the game and you understand that it's yes, a numbers game, and you just keep pushing away, keep grinding, keep chipping. I think that it would be It would be before, it would be your turn. It would be your number would be called upon. You just have to always be ready when that number calls. Can you actually perform the job that you're being called upon? And I love what I do, man. Look, I came from music you know being a musician we lost everything after katrina and we slept on the floor the same floor the same concrete floor that i had to rebuild these houses in the house that i'm actually sitting in right now to talk to you guys uh with with with, with this interview uh is the same house that uh, that we lost everything in so just to go from losing everything to do what I do right now and, you know, having to meet you guys and all my friends along the way to do what I do. It doesn't get better than that, man. No, at the end of the day, whether it's, you know, rejections and things like that. I love what I do, man. You call me, I'm on set. Boom. Let's get this done like this. That's just my, my view in life in general. You know, is, if I was to do something else, I was a musician. I I was the same way. So, when you lose everything, I think that it definitely changes perspective on life, period. Uh, I've, I've, I've done everything that all the other stars have done. You know, I know both of you guys may not know, but I've lived in my cars in Los Angeles, you know, for months at a time. I don't mind because I'm no better than Jim Carrey. I am no better than James Franco. I'm no better than the rest of the people who drove out to LA and had a beat up junk car and they slept in the car. I got a nice car, man, so like I slept in the nice car, <laughs> so it was like you know I got a moon roof. I can look up in the, in the sky and, and see the stars. I you am get better. the fresh breeze, a break yes. from the uh, yeah. yeah so like the first thing I did when I went to Los Angeles, I knew was, you know what, if you really want to do this, prepare to live in your car so i I paid five hundred bucks for um for a gym membership at Go's Gym because at the end of the day, I knew if I'm in the streets at 6 a.m. in the morning, I can you know, do my stuff in the, in the bathroom, I can shower and shave, and I'm clean. And my office was uh, the Starbucks on La Brea and Sunset Boulevard. That's where I got my internet and that's where I got work done. That was my home base from so 2011.
1: So you literally were, were operating off of, you know, in that space of kind of um, DIY. Right, You're DIYing your career from kind of packaging this together. I mean, a lot of ways, I mean, that's a survivor mentality in the sense of like being a survivalist. Like that makes me believe that if if the zombie attack ever occurs, uh, first dude I'm going to get, I'm going to pack up my family and I'm coming to get Sam
2: Medina. Man, you already know, I already bought two AR-15s. I got a zombie edition Mossberg 500 (laughs) shotgun, seven plus one shots couple of handguns you are much better shooter than me though drew but hey i got an automatic i'm gonna hit him
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm with you brother i love you that's why i love you and (laughs) and it's funny because i was gonna ask you you know one of the things that's that's really to me i mean that 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 story alone is inspiring beyond to me beyond words it's a very powerful piece and it's it's emotional and it's real and and it kind of goes into where i mean i kind of know a little bit of your history but There's some of it. Like, where where do you come from, Sam? What, where are you from? Because I know you as a guy from New Orleans, and and that's a whole separate issue we'll get to in a
2: minute. But where are you from? What 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 are where are you from? Well, my dad is from Honduras and my mom is from Vietnam, and my grandfather was mixed with French and great grandmother was mixed with a little bit Cherokee Indian. So therefore, I am pretty blessed with kind of like going back and forth, being you know. um, ethnically ambiguous so i can play quite different roles and it it is it's half of the time is uh an Advantage Uh, the other half is kind of disadvantaged because when they want a real asian i don't look like your normal real asian (laughs) Or when they want a hispanic dude because of my asian eyes that i look like a chinito so it goes both ways and it's my job to 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 Make my brand to where they have to deal with hey we want a san Bernardino brand and it has nothing to do with my race and where i'm from so but but the the the, the hard working man mentality comes from being born in vietnam man that like, we didn't have anything man like you know my my uncle used to work construction all day long and make two dollars a day and over here people are crying because they only get 25 dollars $20 an hour instead of 25 dollars an hour
1: You know, so, yeah, I mean, it's that it's that birthright American birthright problem that we, you know, some may say is an issue. But obviously, like, your point is $2 a day versus $20 a day. I mean, that's a huge discrepancy. So obviously, the value of a dollar to you is extremely important.
2: Yes, most definitely, man. I, I you know, when you when you when you earn everything that you have and you have to fight and you have to crawl and you have to scratch for everything that you have, it definitely shaped you into a better person when when you're not, you know, when you're not anyone's favorite and you have to earn it. I, I love that part because it shaped me not just as an actor, man, but just as a man in life. It it made me a better person to be able to work and earn and deal with all the hardship and still come out on the other side and, and, and still being okay. Uh, That's the part that I love because I think that's the journey for any one of us as, as a man, you, you know, horse, anyone else, you know, like how do we deal with adversity and come out and still be okay on the other end and take care of us and take care of our family, you know, and our kids. So I I love that journey in, in general. And I take this acting journey, like if it was life, you know what I mean? It's not just, you know, yeah, it's not just, you know, just the one area of it, but I take it as as a whole, you know, it's it's just the whole as universe, you know, so that's just my outlook on it. And I try to inspire a lot of actors that I meet along the way because I feel as though I was blessed to be able to, like, be inspired by others. So, like Arnold Schwarzenegger said, you know, the sixth rule is you give back. And so I try to definitely inspire a lot of other actors along the way. And if they want information, I give them the information. And it's really it's up to them to be able to like you know like take the information and really do something with it. You know, you know, because when you met me, I was just an actor. That was three years ago. You know, and in the three years, I grew so much to where I was able to direct my own films to show people what I can do. And because I took that initial initial stuff you and horse was able to see me in a comedy role that most people would not know. I know how to do comedy. And hence we have Gulf shore. where I was a part of you guys. Great project.
1: Yeah. But and it's one of my favorite roles you I've ever seen you do. Cause it's you being so over the top and brilliant. Uh, I don't know, man. It, I, I think it's one of the funniest things I've, I've, I've ever
2: come across. Well, thanks man. Yeah, I I, I thought that, you know, it's just I think it was just creative choice I'll bring all these things to the table and you and Horse can just, you know, pick away what you like and what you don't like uh, and 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 you know what I'm saying, keep what you love and you know tell me what I need to do and not do and I'm I'm fine with that. I trust you guys, you know what I'm saying, being behind the cameras cuz you guys see what's going on. You guys know the script, you guys wrote the pilot and co-wrote the pilot and and know the tone. So, you know, I just I wanted to bring, you know, something like all the way to the left field because I I, I felt like, you know, uh, the other two, which they're great, they're at a different wavelength, and I wanted to play something different where it's kind of odd in a way, but then in a way it's kind of cool because, like, this guy's really off the wall, like, and then how the heck is this guy so off the wall, and then they're they're buddies with these other two guys, so I thought it was a dynamic, you know, really unique, you know, relationship with those two, and I'm glad you guys really, you know, love what, what we accomplish and i can't wait till you guys finish editing it you know
0: absolutely yeah i wanted to ask you do you have that moment do you remember the moment where you thought to yourself that's it i want to be an actor i want to be a star do you do you remember that moment and and or or maybe the evolution of that process
2: yes i do i i study uh with quite a few like amazing teachers um, Your author, Mendoza, out in um, Los Angeles, um, you know, you're Tom Todorov, who teaches uh, the Michael Schurlett, uh technique, which is the audition. Uh, but the, the one lady that I love the most is Ivana Chubbuck, and I studied with her in her master's class on Tuesday. It's a very big class. And the reason she teaches the power of the actor. And I remember when the first three years I studied before I was able to be in her class, I was such a hardhead guy from the street. I didn't know anything, man. I'm just a street thug, you know, who does rap music. And what it did was my other teacher, he would break me down. He's like, dude, you can run around butt naked and you'll still be a tough guy. So what he did was he started making me only do scene work as a gay guy, as a very flamboyant gay guy. And he made me own my femininity. And that, getting in touch with the feminist side of me made me a better human being, made me a better man, made me understand about life and character more. And it gave me something else to where, wow, I don't just have to be a thug, like I can be like just, just the superstar of things because you have more dynamics to an actual character, a more sophisticated character, because we as human. We're very sophisticated, very complicated. It's never one note. So it was about, I think, maybe right before I went out to L.A. in 2011, and that's when I joined uh, Ivana's class, that I realized I have the tools, to be able to be a star, I look up to, to guys like like Dennis Hopper, guys like Christopher Walken, you know uh, Al Pacino, uh, Robert De Niro. I mean, so many much more, so many more guys that I can just continue to name for you because I I've learned all their little ticks and then I make it into my own. And part of that is watching a lot of TV shows and movies but when when my teacher made me play nothing but gay guys roles it helped me understand that a true bad guy do not ever have to show anything he may smile at you and be very very gentle but you walk out the door you are done and that's when i knew i had what it takes to be able to be like the bad guy the antagonist of things besides you know other things that i can do because my default face you know you know it man i'm I'm born with the Danny Trejo face, So I'm always the bad guy. But when you guys, like right now, even Horse and you, when you guys speak to me and my mindset as a human being and as an actor, I am so much more deeper than just the roles that I get to play.
1: No, and that's one of the big things of, you know, you and I have talked and we've gone round and round. And one day we're going to get to that spot where we can do the project, where we can explore, um, maybe have some action beats because I think, you know, I, I enjoy that stuff, but I'd like to get it to that dramatic action piece where we can show that emotion from you and pull that. Cause I've seen you give the range and I've seen it, you know, you and I've had in depth conversations and that's one of the things I love, which leads into kind of what I kind of want to jump into is, and I want to go talk about your directing uh, on stuff, but I, I will talk about your directing space. But I also wanted to ask you as a director Having directed projects, and this is just fresh in my mind from from this Gulf Shores pilot, how much more aware are you? What is your, as a having done directing, what is your level of screen awareness now? Because I, I cut some of those, I cut your sequences, I edited, you know, uh, your character, and I never really had to worry about misaligned takes. I didn't have to worry about eyelines being in the wrong spot. I mean, your, your beat count, you would transfer your eyelines almost exactly the same every single time. Now, does, does some of that come from acting, and, and does some of that, was some of that enhanced by your directing experience?
2: Yes, because how I got into directing was really, it started with, um, because the day and age now, you, you have to turn in a lot of video audition tapes. And so I would have, like, countless hours in the office that I'm in now talking to you guys, doing video audition tapes for myself and other friends and colleagues of mine. And that's how I started learning about looking for different things that I needed to look for, and it started with that. So being an actor, and you need to be behind the cameras, and it doesn't have to be, like, a RED, Alexa, what have you. It could be, just be a regular, you know, Canon T5i if... Actors would pay more attention to what they do and their tics. They will just become better actors to help you and horse as the director to where you never have to worry about where I need to stand or where do I need to do to hit my mark and my, my continuity has to be the same. My, my gestures are the same and all the things are the same because of one guy. You know who that is? One of the guys that I worship, his name is Michael Kane.
1: Of course, who doesn't worship Michael Caine?
2: <laughs> well, I study all the the, the, the camera's awareness, the, the continuity, what you do with your hands and your motion is very important for you to go from wide, medium to close up to reverse to be able to match all of it to where I if I can learn these things and if actors can learn these things then they are helping the directors, like you and Horse, to be able to pick whatever take you want because nothing is not going to match. Everything is going to match like the way it is. So whichever performance that you love, then you guys can just keep. So being behind the cameras definitely help, man. It just, like, I, that way you don't have to worry about me. Horse don't have to worry about me. You guys got, like, a million other things you need to worry about. So if I just come prepare. I, I am always, I walk through all my stuff before you guys uh, ever have to come there. And I walk the stuff in my mind. I walk everything else while you guys are setting up. That way, I don't want to be lukewarm when you guys yell action. I, I don't want to ever be that lukewarm guy. I want to come in there and I, w- I want to do my takes. And you guys, holy shit. Okay, yeah, no, no, yeah. Oh, we like this right here. Yeah, well, yeah, let, do this, but then, you know, keep that, but then change this. And then now all of a sudden me, you and Horse, like we, we are working. Creative juices are flowing because I come prepare. You guys see what I bring. You guys also add your ideas in. Now we're being creative. And it doesn't even matter that we're working because we're not. We're just playing, you know? So yeah.
0: That's some of my favorite stuff is when that moment that you're describing right there, that to me is the just the beauty of really good filmmaking. When you have that team of people, uh, you know, it's the actors, the directors, but, you know, you're, the other people come in and they play too. And I love finding that synergy and it's great to hear, you know, actors that love that synergy as well. Now, I wanted to ask you um, in your uh, numerous credits, the 63, I think you said, of feature credits, how much of your time split between well you know, people would call – uh, you know, big films, um, you know, studio pictures and how much is independent and do you, do you approach them differently? Do you get anything different out of, you know, a
2: smaller independent film and a large, uh, larger studio film? Yes. It's mostly difference, but let me tell you what I do to them that they have no idea what I do. So I've done, I would say, um, maybe, maybe a good, um, maybe 15, a little yeah. bit more, that are big budget movies, right? So I love being doing independent work, you know, because you get to play a lot. You get to, you get to explore because you have that luxury. And that's why a lot of, like, superstars, they love still going back to doing independent films because they get to discover themselves. And it's not so much script like, like, like the studio format. Uh, but you know, like you, you're talking about Angelina Jolie, your Gerard Butler, your Brad Pitt, your Tom Cruise. Of course, they can do pretty much whatever they want. But most of the time, with the big studio pictures, everything is already set the way it is. They have a format, and they just go. And there's really no plan. So that's why, if you look at the last really like five, eight to ten years, a lot of the the big studio pictures, they're okay. But there's really no art to it because it's just a weld oil machine that they have the superstars that already do the pre-sales and they just package it up and they ship it out. So I enjoy both the independent films for me is what I discover myself and how I can refine my tools. Now, the benefit what I do when I work on big sets that most actors don't do I sit there from four to two to eight to 10, 12 weeks at a time. I study every single little tick that that big director and cinematographer do.
1: Which is brilliant. That's free film school.
2: school. Yeah,
1: (laughs) absolutely. Free film school right there
2: they're paying me like it's a robert rodriguez deal you know what i mean he went in and he you know he made seven thousand dollars you know donating his stuff so he can make his first feature like i followed that format from him you know like if someone else was going to pay you to go to film school you go do it and the the big studio pictures that's that's it's like that for me i watch how they do their work and i learn from them i mean it does i i don't think that it, it can get better than that because a lot of people can go to film school, but if they don't know the stress of what a real film set is, whether if it's independence or big studios, then they they they're gonna have a hard time adjusting, you know. So absolutely. So those are, that's just my my view on it as far as like you know the both sides. So that's I guess that's why a lot of people they still love doing independence film because you get to you get to do soul searching, man, with independent films,
1: you know. Absolutely. You know? So we, we have a little bit of a tradition on the show, just real quick. It's, it, it, it's meant as a swerve. So at the 41-minute mark, which we're at, we, we just ask a random movie question, and I'm just going to throw it at you. What is your favorite
2: comedy? My favorite comedy? Yep. Oh, my God. I have so many of them, but my favorite... Okay. You know what my favorite comedy is? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Let's Be Cops. Let's Be Cops. There you go. It's funny, man. It's a good movie. You know, those guys—they're from the new guy, and they—they are amazing. But then it's so hard to pick your favorite, man, because Melissa McCarthy is also amazing, man, in what she does.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, look, she's she's a goldmine who transitioned. If I'm not mistaken, she transitioned from television to feature. Is that correct? Do you yeah. Know two history? more girls. Yeah. yeah. So look at her, man. She's a rock and roll. And and look, everything she's in is funny. She carries the role well. She makes me believe in the in the character. I I love her to death.
2: Yeah, she's, you know, like in heat with Sandra Bullock. I mean, oh my God. Like you, 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 you see how she is at that time, but then when you see her break down, she, you, she just melts. She makes you melt because she's such the opposite one way. And by the time she decides to bring you on this journey to feel for her, man, she has you in the palm of her hands. absolutely she's that good yeah so but yeah that's those are my 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 two things i I love you know sam
0: i was gonna ask you one part be it you know some comic book hero uh is it sam medina the new terminator is it sam medina the new indiana jones what is the one part that sam medina thinks believes
2: and knows is his part You know, um, there there is one guy that I probably will eventually, um, uh, shoot for. Matter of fact, you asked me that because there's a guy named Namor, which is a superhero, uh, villain. Um, he's from the X-Men that I would love to play him, but I would have to put on like 20 pounds of muscle. Like when I first started, I, I weighed in about 205 and they made me lose weight because I wasn't tall enough. Um, uh, so that would be like the ideal as far as the, the action movies. But I do, just so funny because you guys brought this up, I do have an amazing story that you guys might want to jump on board and help me produce. There's uh, There's a story that I'm going to do called A Soldier's Tale. I was blessed. Everything, I think, in the universe, whether you believe in God or in anything, I don't want to preach to anyone out there, but the universe and life itself bring you things that that it, it's meant to either teach you or you cross paths for a reason. And I met this kid, and this kid at 19 years old, he went to war and he got blown up in half, and he came back, and now he's dealing with the consequences for the rest of his life. And that is the role that I want for myself with... Everything that drew and I have talked about as far as the emotional roller coaster of this kid uh that I would do, and that's something that i'm I'm shooting for maybe another year or two to actually do that story with me me as a lead in it, so that's something that a tearjerker in a sense also i want to give back because i i believe that we have the luxury to do what we do as filmmakers as actors is because all the soldiers who's really taking care of things outside the united states so we can have this luxury life and and not everybody don't everybody don't have to feel those the, the way i do man but i do you know because you know this country has given me every opportunity to be whatever i want to be you know in Vietnam, I would just be whatever it is that the social status that you were born with that's all you were ever going to be you're not you're not you know you're not like over here, so of course I am going for me i'm going to give props to the military men and women, so therefore, I wanted to do this story about this kid who at nineteen years old he go he went over there and he got blown up. And now he came back and it's just, you know, his world is crumbling down. I, I stay in contact with him and he sent me all the information from when he went there and to all the things he's going through now. And that's a story I would love to do one day. You guys going to like, you, when you guys read the script, you're going to be like, just like, you know, excuse my language. Holy freaking shit. No,
1: I'm with <laughs> you, man. I'm totally with you. And we talked cried. about it before.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'll I see. cried when I met the kid.
1: Yeah, I, Well, I'm sure. I mean, when you when you when you're face to face with someone who's given so much for, I mean, obviously physical and the mental that this guy has done for his country, uh, knowing that you know it's an amazing thing, and and all of those guys are blessed and they're all heroes, men and women, and 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 you know, for me, it's I have a deeply uh, spiritual connection to the idea of someone t- putting their lives on the line so that. I literally can make comic book movies and we always have a rule. Like if we ever do, uh, we did it with sons Uh, whenever we do a film that has like um, a military portrayal in it. A, I try and be as accurate and honest as I can, but we also, uh, we always give to um, whether it's a Wounded Warrior or one of the other projects. And usually that's with a giant swear jar that I fill up faster than anybody else on set. So we take that money and we we donate it. And I think it was like four or five hundred bucks uh, on Sons and, and um, another four hundred bucks on another film called Phoenix. So like I'm with you. I'm totally behind you on it, man.
2: Oh, thank you man like i i think that the other things that we do are definitely fun and creative but i also just like you guys you know like i want to give back and do something really meaningful to where you know they they know that we haven't forgotten about them you know when they come back uh so it's funny because like i might, the guy who actually is going to be my confidant in the movie uh his name is charles Rooney, and he actually is a vietnam war veteran okay and right. and and he is going to be the guy who saves me from me killing myself, man, in, in, the, in the story, because he came back from Vietnam and he blames himself every day. We talk, he blames himself every day because he's the only one who lived and everybody else passed.
1: Right. Yeah. Which is, yeah. I mean, it seems to be a common theme for, for a lot of those guys. They're heroes, but it's, it's they've seen so many things that are uh, brutal that, you know, they, they kind of self-absorb it in, in a way that, because they don't have any other way of dealing with it. And it's understandable.
2: And they don't get any help, man. And I apologize to to your viewers or your listeners if if I'm bringing this little heavy thing on. It's just like I'm so passionate about it, and you just happen to ask what what my horse just asked me what my dream project would be, and I'm just like I'm like I. I ah, there I, he is. I, Hello, he's back. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. I don't know what happened. It's just probably like disconnected.
1: That's yeah, Skype. Who knows? It occurs. Um. So let me let me jump on a question I had real quick. We were kind of talking about your military passion, and, and I think that came through. And we made a joke that maybe the uh, government heard you and cut it off. <laughs> <As> a-
2: <laughs> you know, possibly, possibly yeah, conspiracy but, theory, you know, but hey, we're just making movies. We're not hurting anyone. So I'm sure they'll be OK with it. You know, we're honoring them, if anything, you know,
1: absolutely so- right. So here's one of the things I want to ask you about is, you know, I know you travel and that's one of the things is and, and we could probably do a two hour podcast with you. And in fact, I'd like to go ahead and uh, book you to get on the show again, uh, maybe in a, in a few months, just to touch base with you again, just because you're and, and hopefully get you in the studio at some point, because then it's even more fun. But one of the things I want to ask is your primary home base right now is in New Orleans. And, yep. you know, I, I know you travel a good bit. But you know some things happened in New Orleans business-wise where the incentives dropped and and you know the, the climate there seemed to change. Did you notice that as both an actor and a director cuz I think that's the interesting side for you is I it looked to me like you started getting a lot more directing roles um, you know I, and I don't totally know but I just wanted to reach out and see what was the what happened when the incentives changed down in New Orleans?
2: We got a win of it two years before we're speaking, as we're speaking right now. Two years before that, so me and uh, quite a few other of my buddies also went and got an apartment in Atlanta, Georgia, oh, because we right. we knew the work uh, was going to go there. So right. that's the thing. Uh, you know, our, our old governor didn't you know like the film industry here. They just wanted this to be just the tourism uh, industry. So it definitely hurt us in a way where uh a lot of jobs were taken away. But at the same time, I think that you know, we can adjust and adapt, which thankfully that a lot of more films now being filmed in Mobile, Alabama, Mississippi and other places. So I think that regionally, no matter where where we are, you know, we can always, you know, make it a way to work. Like I travel to Dallas and I travel to Austin a lot, to Texas as well. And I do I do travel to LA uh, a lot, but i don't actually stay there for months at a time because the game has changed with the Los Angeles thing because the pilot season is not what it is before, so it's definitely different, and at the same time i i I love the process of composition. Even, like, I learned a lot of stuff just watching you the very first time we met. You know, I spent five, six weeks with you on Convergence. So I I watch everyone that I work with just to learn the different techniques and ways, you know, everyone do things the way way they do things. So I love the fact that I can travel and learn from directors, learn from guys who are filmmakers all the way around. And that's a, a really, really blessing for me uh, to be able to, you know, to, to learn. I love being behind the cameras, just like I was a producer. So I was behind the mixing board, the computers. I was in the control room who produces the rap artists. So I think that for me, it was just a natural transition to, you know, to be over to directing. And I, always, I also wanted to be able to be more than just an actor. Like I look at Ben Affleck, you know, I look at guys who can, who can act, but then they can direct amazingly. And I love that part about the whole thing is that once you're an actor and you become a director, you kind of become what they call in the industry, you guys know, is, is, is an actor's director. And, and, and I, I appreciate guys who are like that because they take care of the actor's emotional roller coaster who comes every day ready to be, to work. And you don't really know how, how that affect them after or before set. And then they go back to the hotel room and then they got to come prepare the same thing again over and over every day. So I, I also love that journey. But directing was just something I also love being behind the camera, just seeing how things work. Uh, from from you know my perspective so it was then a lot of you know i found help from you and other people who helped me to be able to you know my my journey on on directing as well and like all you have to do is man you know me man you just you almost be like hey come to alabama i'm like cool (laughs) i would have been in the studio today if you would have told me hey come to alabama
1: no i understand (laughs) and i appreciate it i just you know you're a busy dude uh i want to talk about Uh, So I want to talk about a short I saw that inspired us to put you in the comedy. Uh, I think it's called Mule. Is that right? Yep. All right. So you got to tell, you got to, we got to, can people, first off, can people see this online? Because I think everyone needs to see it because it's one of the funniest short
2: films I've ever seen.
1: I appreciate that,
2: brother. Yes. You can, you can go see it. You just uh, on YouTube, just type in Mule, M-U-L-E, and you type in my name, Sam, S-A-M, and then Medina, M-E-D-I-N-A. Awesome. And you can see it. And so the process with that movie was I wanted to have different um, directors real, to be able to show my friends, you, Horse, everyone who also produce and put, you know, bigger budget, you know, movies together. But I didn't just want to tell you guys that I can direct because I feel as though that's wrong to to put you guys in that in that bind that. You guys are going to trust me to direct and and, and mess something up instead of showing you guys what I can do with with the uh, little amount of money that I can put together. And I'm not much of a writer when it comes to different things. I do write things that I'm passionate about. So I found this site, uh, you know, MockSize.com with these two amazing writers who just be like, hey. If you want to film this stuff for your reel, you're perfectly welcome to do it. Just give us the credit. So I found this um, this, uh, short script, you know, Mew. And I didn't have budget to really pay a lot of people, and I really couldn't trust anyone else in the role. So I ended up being the actor, the cinematographer, the director, the first AD, uh, you know, the producer who paid for the things, editor. And I actually traveled to to uh, Austin to actually get it color graded and color corrected by by the people who work for the Robert Rodriguez and the Troublemaker Studios and I wanted to take that initiative of like showing you guys by the time I showed you and you show horse you could see the the passion what I have to show you that when I direct something and it's my own money or anyone else's money. I'm going to take it that serious to that level to where I'm going to do it as professional as I can. I paid for the um, the music to be scored. Um, the reason why I made that film really is because of you, Drew, because you know why? It's, it was that hotel room, wasn't it? Yes. You have always put me up in this hotel room that I stay when I come to, to, to Mobile to film and it just so happened that the script called for a hotel, and so I paid for one hotel where the, you know two hotels for a casting crew to stay at. But one of the hotel rooms we would shoot the other one we would hold all the equipment. And we guerrilla shot the the the, uh, the elevators, the hall, the the exterior. It was like four a.m. we is just like you know guerrilla shooting and hoping we don't get caught. Oh. And and but that's one reason why I was able to make that film with that uh, that. Uh, hotel, I you know we all travel over from from New Orleans to Mobile to shoot the film because of because of that location that you always had me stay at. So that's how Mew was was um was formulated, man. And then you know it's so funny because I send it to you to get your professional criticism or whatever you have for me. And I remember I was driving to Atlanta to work on on another TV show, and you were like, dude. This is perfect. Like I'm, I'm doing this pilot, you know, Gulf Shores, and I think it's perfect. Dude, I didn't know you did comedy. I didn't know you want to. I'm like, I do want to do comedy. It's just I don't always get to to audition or read for it. And then you know, you send it to all the the upper, you know, producers, the whores, the producer, you know, the executive producers, and they love what I have. So it really all started with us in Mobile, and so that's how Mew you know, kind of became to be, and I love the fact that you guys, like, got a kick-ass kick, kick ass laugh out of it, man, because
1: it was a really, really funny short film, you know? Oh, so- I'm, I'm totally going to put it in the show notes for for this episode, just because I think uh, it it's worth watching. I shared it on Facebook. I told people to watch it, but it's just worth watching because the other thing I got out of it was, is seeing you, um, sorry, stupid phone call from my wife, I was, is seeing you go from being this kind of, you know, you can be a villain and you've played a villain and you could be a badass and you played a badass. But seeing you go from that to being this dude that's struggling with this this problem and obviously you don't want to spoil anything. I, I to me, it's it's the kind of stuff that um, it's a it's a breakthrough and it's a breakout. That's the word. It's a breakout type type role for me. And I I, I love it, man. It's one of my all time favorite short films I've ever seen.
2: No, I appreciate, it, man. Thank you so much, man. It's, you know, it's really an, an honor for you guys to be able to view that and give me your honest, you know, you know, opinions on, on you know, professionally too as well. And I love the fact that you, you guys saw that and you guys uh, decided to cast me. In Gulf Shores, you know, like I brought the same, you know, same energy and same intensity, everything for you guys. So I can't wait to, you know, for the people to actually see the pilot of of Gulf Shores, you know. So that's that's it's great, man. I, I, you know, I'm excited. Like I said, you know, when you guys call, man, I'm I'm there. You know that. Like if I have a gym over at at Mobile at Omni, but my buddy Derek Barefoot, he loves me over there. So like there's there's nothing at all. It's two hours over, and I can pretty much train there 24 seven. So I have. You know, I, I know you guys don't know this, but before I book any hotel anywhere to stay, I book the gym first. I got I to gotta make sure that the gym is in the area first before I book the hotel to work. <laughs> that's, so, a Sam,
0: that's a Sam Medina pro tip.
2: Yeah, Dedication there. Yeah, you know, kind of have to, man. I want to make sure that I prove myself to where by the times it gets to you, Drew, or get to you, Horse, that you can trust in me that no matter what we do, where we are, that I am going to show up. And Absolutely. that, to me, is the key in this business, in my opinion, that if you just do everything you can and you show up, everything else will work itself out if you just show up and, and play, you know?
1: Absolutely. So with that, Sam, I hate to be the guy that does this, but we kind of need to wrap up the, uh, the this section of the podcast. I'm bringing you back on. We know that for a fact. Uh, you're just too fun to talk to. And so I'd like to have you back on in you know a couple of sessions or something. We'll we'll pull you back over, get you in the studio. Uh, do you have anything you want to say to actors, directors, writers, producers? Uh, you've you've run the hustle. You got any kind of advice? Yeah,
2: sure, man. Like um, as far as actors, um, you know, train as hard as you can. And yes, the road is hard. And you know, even for me, you know, now that I'm competing against the superstars that I normally just watch them doing their work but at least if you think about it now you're actually competing against the best of the best isn't that the goal anyway all the time is to be able to be in the ring with the best of the best and see where it goes i mean most people can only dream of that so for actors most definitely seek out the best teachers and 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 study the different things that they can give you so you can have the toolbox that you need to where like, you know, Horace or, or Drew or other people call you in for an audition and callbacks that you can do all these different adjustments that they want may not necessarily be the right thing for the role, but they want you to be able to be adjustable to where if they decide to go Different ways with it that you know your instruments are not going to fight, so training is foremost for actors but and and, and as far as directors. I just like myself, you know, you know, up and coming. And so what you do is you just go out and you direct. I, I got that from spending two months with Robert Rodriguez, man. I'm I, I don't like to throw names out, but he's such a mentor to me, just spending times and talking to him that if you want to direct, don't tell people you're an aspiring filmmaker. You go out and you direct. It is so cheap these days to do things that if you just keep directing, you keep making mistakes, then you find your way as director, because if you're doing really good work. A lot of actors are willing to work for free. I don't work because of the money. I do other stuff on the big set so my bills can be paid. But man, let me tell you something, guys. You don't know this. I would go to Mobile for $0 and sleep on Drew and Horse's floor. Okay? We, uh,
0: we will remember that.
2: <laughs> Listen, no, because Horse, Drew knows that. He knows. He, I always said that from 2012. That is never. That's never. He always took that to the bank. He can cash it anytime. He knows it, and oh, I you know. should know it, too, horse. You know. Uh, but like, it, even for people who want to produce, you know, like I like to make my own mistakes. So my short films, you know, the three to five grand short films that that I learned, I learned so much from it. That way, when I come to you, Drew, or I come to Horse, hey man, look, I have this right here. I think I can, you know, direct it for this. At least you guys can. Think that, you know, if he can do this for 5000 you know, if we give him hundred grand, he can do some really, really good stuff. We just have to keep him in the guidelines to where we can help him grow as a filmmaker. So, you know, to the producers, like, if you believe in the guys and if he, he show you he's willing to do things out of his own pocket, then that's the guy that you really, really want on your team because he's going to find a way to make it, you know? That's absolutely so, right. Hey, I love talking to you guys. We can talk like this for like 10 hours. I already know. I can't wait because I'm going to go to Mobile whenever you guys have time again, and we're going to go eat at Japanese Express. And we're going to go eat at the bicycle shop, and we're going to do this podcast. You know what
1: I love is, is you have your plugs because there's these places, and I know you. Those are the places you always go. Every time you're in town, you tell me the same thing. We're going to these places, and I, and I absolutely love it. So you got it, man. I will buy Japanese Express, and you can buy Bike Shop because it's way more expensive. <laughs>
2: Hey, look, look. That's a deal, man. You have a kid, so I I catch your slack. I have no problem with that, man. You know. Hey, look, Drew. Give you give your love to to your wife. My love to your wife, your kid, man. Horse, man. It was great hearing from you guys, man. And thank you for for having me on just to share a little bit on of my journey to the people. And I hope that I can inspire one kid or one lady or one man just to do something different and like be courageous enough to go out there and take that step. And I think then, then I've done my job and you guys have done your job, you know?
1: So there is uh, Sam Medina, um, one of the most incredibly fun human beings in the world to talk to. Obviously Sam's very passionate about a variety of topics and that's what we love about Sam.
0: (laughs) Now I mentioned it at the beginning, his positivity is something that, um, was really uh inspirational to me and it, and it came through you know in every step of the way is that the positive look at it. i mean you know he obviously he came um he said he came from vietnam he had some uh you know economic hardships growing up uh he got wiped out from katrina right um you know he he did that you know th- you hear the story so often you know i went to la and i lived out of he did it and not only did he do it he did it happily he did it knowing that that is the path that he needs to take and I, you know, I just, I just love that it's like this is it. This, this is what, what I'm supposed to do. And he still gets up at five a.m. And you know, he always, he's yeah, always up at five. Yeah, it's, it could call him like even if you wrap early, he's still up. Er, uh, rap late, he's still up early. Such, uh, yeah, just a, a really just lovely, lovely story and a lovely person.
1: No, he's Sam is a treat to have around just because you want him around and you want to be around him, and, and he does fantastic work. He gives you everything. From a directing standpoint, having worked with him twice, he gives you everything. As a producing standpoint, we uh, produced a, a short together. He gave us everything and he put 110% in. Um, and then even from uh, a comedy standpoint now, like looking back on Gulf Shores, you know, it's Sam is a scene stealer and, and he's just he's modest and humble about stuff, but he's just a good guy. And And in a weird way, Sam, not in a weird way, in a realistic way, Sam represents the the between the line kind of person Uh, you know sam has worked above the line as an actor he's been above the line as a director and a producer but now he's also he also works below the line because he's been in both those spaces and sam's done a lot of different work um i just thought he he works
0: he works the big films he works the independent films He's all
1: over the place and so he's evidence that you can make a career doing exactly this uh it just comes with a lot of a lot of work so with that said, we'll kind of wrap up the show. We ran a little long, but you know that's what we do on this. Uh, if you have a good, if you're energized, you can't you can't pull it away. Um, kind of like long takes, right? They're not so bad unless you mag out. <laughs> so with that said, uh, stay frosty, stay focused, set your goals. Cut.
2: Thank you for listening to the Mobcast Network.